Well, good morning. Let's all stand together as we prepare our hearts this morning. I want to welcome those of you joining us, those that are here and those joining us by the World Wide Web. We're glad you're able to join us this morning in our worship here. Coming to you from Living Word Open Bible Church in Cooper City, Florida. And for those of you joining us from different countries and different states, we want to welcome you. And glad you're going to be part of this service this morning. As always, we want to invite his presence to do something special for us. He's promised that we are two or three gathered in his name. There he is in the midst. So I know he is here this morning with us. But we want him to do something special for those of you that are here and those watching us. So let's look to him in prayer. Our loving Father and our God, we thank you for this wonderful privilege. The privilege that we have to gather in your house, in your name. And for those that have joined us together, we ask that you remember every individual this morning. Holy God, righteous and everlasting Father, we ask that you would breathe afresh upon each of us. We need thee. We are needy people. And we come before you this morning humbling ourselves, submitting to your authority, and asking you, Lord, as we come to worship and adore you and exalt you and to lift you up, to just do something supernatural in every individual's life. You are the one that is able to do what no one else can do. And so, Father, this morning, you know the needs of every individual. You know every circumstance in each person's life. You know the desires of their hearts this morning. And we know that there are new mercies every day. So merciful Father, extend your mercy, your grace, your strength, your comfort, your hope, your love, your kindness, your healing touch to everyone that needs it this morning. And we will not fail to give you the glory, to give you the praise, and to give you the honor. This we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people everywhere say, Amen. Let's welcome the worship team as they come to lead us this morning. Praise God. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? We thank you for waking us up this morning. Great indeed is his faithfulness, amen? For he never changes and he will never fail us. Hallelujah. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah. Great is your faithfulness. You never change. You never fail, oh God. True are your promises. You never change. You never fail, oh God. Sing great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Sing great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. You never change. You never fail, oh God. 
He has provided. He has remained God. And he will keep being God. And for that, God, we give you praise. He is worthy to be praised. Lord, draw us closer to you, Father God. In the midst of all the chaos, may we not lose sight of the fact that we need to draw closer to you.
morning in actual church, in virtual church. As we approach the throne of God this morning, we want to humble ourselves. We want to bow our hearts before him. For he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's a holy one. The only one that can help us. The wisdom of man has failed. Men's knowledge has been incompetent to solve the problems of the nations. But there is one God, the only wise God who confounds the wisdom of man and makes it to nothing. Today we go to this God, our Father, with boldness, with courage, and with confidence, for He alone has the answer. Would you join me in prayer? Those of you who are watching from wherever you are, let's unite our hearts as we call up to our Father, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, Lord God, our Father, let your glory fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. You are almighty and all-powerful, yet you stoop low to come to those who would trust you. We confess that we need you. We confess that our efforts have failed. But you remain strong and mighty. You remain the all-knowing God. And one word from your God can solve our problems. So today we humble ourselves. And first we ask you to forgive the sins of our hearts. Forgive our backsliding. Forgive our turning away from you. As we sang, draw me close to you. Never let me go. You have never let us go, but we have wandered from you like rebellious children. And this morning we repent. And we ask you to rescue us, oh God. Rescue us from our own selves. For we are like foolish little children. We pull away and do not understand the danger that we expose ourselves to. But today we come and we bow before your throne. Take us, Lord, as we are, unworthy, but because of your love, your unfailing love and your goodness, we ask you to have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O oh God. Have mercy on us. You promise that you will not be angry forever. Though you cast off, you will not be angry forever. For if you remain angry, God, you said we're nothing. Man is like dust. We're weak and frail. We cannot stand up to your anger. So we ask some mercy this morning. Lord, today I pray for our nation. I ask you to remember those in authority, whether elected or appointed. I pray that they would humble themselves and seek your face. That they would have wise counselors, O oh God. Not just wise in the wisdom of the world, but in righteousness that will speak truth to their hearts and that they would turn to you for your help. And we, your people, stand in support and we pray, O oh God, hear and have mercy upon us. Guide them in true wisdom, O oh God, that they may lead this nation in the way it should. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would undertake with our problems the economic situation that is confounded. O oh God, the health situation, the family situations, the division and the strife. We speak peace 
peace over America. Peace be to you, O America. Peace be in your gates and in your border, O America. We speak over you the shalom of God. Peace be to you. Peace in your streets. Peace in your high places. Peace in the low places. Peace on the mountains and peace in the valley. We speak peace in every home and every heart. Oh, come, shalom of God. Rest upon our nation. Shalom of God. Shed your peace in our hearts. Bring peace, oh God. Father, we pray for the sick. We pray for those who are mourning, that you would heal the sick and comfort the mourning. We pray for those who administer care and essential services, especially health care. We pray, oh God, for wisdom and insight, for compassion, 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 compassion for the helpless who have no one to advocate for them in the closed doors of the health institutions. We ask the compassion and grace and mercy. Lord, that you'd send your angel doctors and angel nurses and angel technicians and escorts, angel pharmacists that would administer godly, wise care, compassionate care. May you protect those who give care from infection, or many nurses or doctors, even from this congregation and all over the nation. We pray your covering, O oh God, that they'll not be infected with the COVID infection. Lord, we pray for the scientists who research. Among them, you have your Daniels. You have your Joseph. Give wisdom and insight. One word from the Lord. Open their minds. Show them that missing link. Help us, O oh God, that there will be a cure, a vaccine, that will, Lord God, stop the tracks of this rabid COVID spread. Lord, we pray for those in business that you'd encourage those who are so discouraged, especially the small business owners. We pray especially for them, for grace and strength and provision, for wisdom, oh God, show them how to survive. Many are your children. Many from this church, we lift them up this morning that you'd encourage them. And Lord, you'd show them a way for you have always made a way for your people, oh God. God, those in authority who make the rules concerning how funds are distributed. I pray for justice and fairness in the distribution of whatever help is there. God, we are praying, God, for families today. May you minister to families. Families are hurting. Some are in disrepair. Some are breaking at the seams, God, from the stress and the distress of this COVID and all that goes with it. Job loss. Overcrowding at home every day. God, we pray mercy and help. Send your peace in the homes. We pray for the love of God in the homes. Lord, especially your children, that they'd be light in their communities. Light bearers. They would shine brightly as good examples to their neighbors. They'd be encouragers. Your people will be people of hope. Will not be drawn into depression and anxiety overwhelming anxiety that they cannot function but God your word would be a source of strength and comfort that they can also encourage those around them you promised that you'd give strength to the weak you said that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength 
They shall even mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall, Lord, survive COVID triumphantly. We declare it, O God. And they shall come rejoicing to the house of God. Father, we give you thanks. We pray for the communications media. Jesus, we bind up, we bind up the assault on our minds and our emotions. We bind up every assault on our minds and emotions. We bind up the lies and the miscommunication. We bind up the spirit of confusion and error. In many cases, deliberate to bring confusion to the nation. We bind up, Lord, the enemies of peace and righteousness. Intervene, O oh God. We pray you would block the lies that would come through different forms of media. Give us discerning eyes and hearts. Turn away our eyes from that which is lie. And cause us to seek truth. To seek your wisdom to be discerning, O oh God. Expose the perpetrators of misinformation and lies. We bind up every foul spirit that is at work in our nation through different aspects of our national life to bring confusion and terror and anxiety and fear and destruction. We bind up these spirits, vile spirits that are roaming in our nation. And oh Lord, we pray, breathe upon our nation, breathe health and life, breathe peace and justice. Refresh our hearts and our minds, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Father, I call to you this morning, your children. Forgive our backsliding. Draw back your people to you. Draw back your people to you. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may see and understand you're the only way. May we not fall away, God, under the pressures of this pandemic. May we not fall away because of the lusting and the, 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 the slackness of our own hearts. But I pray for your people that we would draw close to you. We would hunger and thirst for righteousness. We would spend time in your word and in your presence that we may be strengthened. God, let none fall away. For those who are backsliding, for those who are slipping, for those who are lukewarm, I pray today you'd shake up your people. Lord, as this is Youth Sunday celebrated in our church, I specifically bring before you the youth. God, I don't have to tell you. You know everything about them. You know what they've been doing. You know what they're looking at. You know what they're listening to. You know what they've been doing in the dark. We ask you to rescue them. It's not your will that any should perish. Bring them to their senses. Turn their hearts to you, God. You promised that you would take out a stony heart, that you would put a heart of flesh, that you would pour your water of cleansing, that you would put your spirit in them, that you'd write your words upon their heart that no longer will parents have to drag and push and insist that they read the word and come to church. But they themselves will desire you 
I pray that none of them would fall through the crack. Awaken their slumbering hearts. Take away the veil of deception. For you said, young men, I call on you because you're strong. And the word of the Lord is in you. May they turn to the word of the Lord. That it would be a light for them in these dark days. Hear my cry this morning. They know the truth. And many have departed from the truth. But would you pull them back this morning? Pull them back this morning. Let none perish. Save, O oh God, we pray. And they shall be saved. Not only the young men, but the young ladies. May righteousness and godliness be the hallmark of their lives. May they have a passion for you, a hunger and thirsting for you. Father, you are greater than all they can experience in this culture, in their generation. You're the same yesterday, today and forever. You have not lost your power to keep them from falling. Your word still stands as a guard. And today, Lord, we pray they would put on the full armor of God that they may be able to stand and resist the evil one. Father, we thank you that you love people. That's why you sent your son to die for us. And you won't have a large family with you in heaven. And it is not your will that any should perish. So we pray today for all the lost. Some may be listening. Some are surfing the web. God, would you let your word, which will be spoken today, grip hearts, bring contrition and brokenness, bring repentance unto salvation. So we commit your men servant to you will bring the word. May you anoint and empower. Let not one of your word return to you void, but let everyone accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. Bless your people today. Bless the service and all who are watching us, all who are present here from different places all over the earth, God. We give you thanks and we praise you for your faithful, your merciful, your full of love and compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is good to see you young people today, those of you who are here. I'm not the welcomer, but I don't want to miss saying that. It's good to see you, Ava, and all your siblings. Good to see all of you today, and Tevin Thames worshiping, and Dana Lloyd, and if I miss your name, forgive me. I'm getting older. Miss Janelle Williams and Mr. Jonathan Williams. Mr. Conrad Harding. And all of you young at heart, good to see you. And those who are watching us, hope to see you next week. Nothing wrong with you. Get up and come to church. Get out of your bed. God is worth more than that. Get a shower, get the family together. God is worth more than that. Amen. Can you shout out? Let them hear. Amen. Get up. Get up. Get up. It's not lying down time in pajamas. We want to be armed for battle. We have a great battle waging. You can't wage war in pajamas. Hello, you need the word of God and you're oozy to stand up. The sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Get up. Brush up, clean up, and get out. Hello, I love you. Love you lots.
This evening we have a wonderful Sister Nathering. And if you just ponder what it says, Sister Nathering. So, <laughs> sorry guys, you can listen, but you know, don't call in, it's girls only. <laughs> but please tell the ladies in your house to call in. So the notification has been sending out the information. You can come on and show your face also. All faces won't be shown at once because screens are too small. I hope all of you will take time to call in at 7 p.m. and you have the notification. We're going to be sister nothering. Amen? All right. So we're excited about what God wants to do. He wants to encourage us. You have something that may have encouraged you. We want you to be willing to encourage another and in the meantime, to call another sister, call a, call a youth, encourage one another. Amen? And don't sit and wait to be called. You call somebody. Whatever you desire, you do it. And God will send back to you. So don't sit there saying nobody call you. That's because you don't call anybody. So call somebody. Maybe God will let somebody call you. The second thing I want to uh, remind you of, there's a, an there are many prayer initiatives going around, but our church was going to embark on a time of prayer for our nation and also 100 days up to the national election. But the National Day of Prayer Task Force has started what is called a Nehemiah response. And in the book of Nehemiah, if you remember, Nehemiah had his big job with um, the government in, uh, I think it is, where was he, pastor? It was Babylon he was working. He was a cupbearer for the king. He was a taster. And he heard about the plight of Jerusalem. The wall was broken down. Everything was trampled. And he wept and fasted and he sought God. And he asked permission to leave his position to go and see what he could do. And in East, he um, summoned the people with much prayer and fasting. And God brought the people together. Everyone did their part. Everyone covered where they lived, that part of the wall they built. The rich donated, everyone worked together, and in 52 days, the impossible happened. The wall of Jerusalem was completely built. So based on that, they've started what is called the Nehemiah response, which is 52 days of united prayer for America, positive prayer. I am part of the National um, Day of Prayer Task Force, and so they sent it to me, but I could share it with you. And what we're asked to do is to Post a prayer, those of you of social media, something positive, praying for the nation, and a scripture verse that's encouraging. It is not tearing down anyone. It's not shooting arrows at anyone. We want to build up, and we want to pray. And if you can imagine if you post a prayer, and your group sees it, and they can post a prayer, your own prayer. We're not giving it a prayer, whatever God lays on your heart. But we're praying for the nation, for the unity healing of the nation, the return of the nation to health and prosperity, and righteousness. And then you post a scripture verse. It's not a long thing, so anyone can do that. So I invite you to do it. You post it on your media page and share with your friends. So that's what that's about. When we are finished the 52 days, which goes to Labor Day, our church will continue because we also want to pray up to election that God would guide the affairs of this nation, for only God can help us. And if your friends are watching us from overseas, we invite you to pray to pray for America. America has been a blessing to so many nations. So many of us can testify to come into America 
and the blessings God has poured on us to work through college that we could help those in our own countries where we come from. So uh, God is not interested in destroying America. God wants to build up and bless, but he waits for his people to pray earnestly to him. He says, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. The forgiveness comes after repentance and the healing comes after the forgiveness. There's a sequence with God and we can supplant the, sequ the sequence. So I invite you, if you're watching us from somewhere else, let alone if you live in America. Let's join together and pray. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a prayerful, a reflective day filled with the word of God. It is God's day. Amen. Praise God. God is good and all the time. All right. Well, it's good to see you this morning. And I want to welcome you again and welcome those joining us from various uh, states and around the country and other countries as well. I know there are many other joining us and we are so glad that you're able to join us this morning. And for those of you that are here, why don't you take a moment and look around at those that are here and wave at somebody you haven't seen for a while. Um, good to see several of them that you haven't seen for a while. Maybe you can recognize them behind the mask. It maybe it's possible. Uh, some of them. And if you don't figure who it is, you got to try to guess. <laughs> who that is, uh, but it's good to see you all, and we're glad that you're here this morning uh, with us. Praise God. Well, I wanted us to, uh, let me make a, uh, we, Sister Francis was making some announcements, but let me go to the word first, I turn to a scripture reading, and then I'll come back to some announcements. Why don't you go to Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 13. Romans chapter 4, reading from verse 13, and um, then we will come back. We have birthdays and different things that we want to recognize. Uh, Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, I'm going to read from the NLT. It says, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but in a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary, and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God, who brings the dead back to life, and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, 
That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it, was not, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. That's God's holy word. All right, so let me make a couple of uh, other announcements. First, I want to recognize those who are having birthdays this week. Uh, Sister Beverly Calhoun and Sister Avon Watson, Sister Dolores Knight and Michael Reed. So let's give them a big hand, those of those that are celebrating their birthdays this week. And we give God praise for them. And may they enjoy it as best as they can. I know that not everybody's able to celebrate it the way they really would like to. But you can still make the best of the situation. And you can celebrate it with your family and uh, just have a good time in the presence of the Lord as well. Praise God. Well, we want to continue to uh, let you know we're continuing our worship. And as you heard, beginning in August, we are going to revert back to a one service at 10 a.m. So if you didn't hear that, you're hearing that now. So beginning the first Sunday in August, that's when we revert back to one service at 10. And uh, so the broadcast will come at 10. If you're online watching us, uh, we'll begin the first Sunday in August. It will be at 10 a.m. And here at the church, we'll also have one service starting at 10 a.m. on the first Sunday of August. All right, we continue our Bible studies uh, every Tuesday at 7.15 it's 7.15, and then in the morning at 10 a.m. is our prayer time, and many are joining the prayer on Tuesday morning, and also Friday evening as well at 8 p.m. There's a lot of prayer going on, so we're praying, and there's a lot to pray about. As you can see, and if you watch the news about the COVID and all that is happening, and then also as things progress in the country, we have so much to ask God's help for. And so, please, uh, let's be praying. And as you will hear more about the initiative that Sister Frances talked about, and she's already told you what you can do regarding prayer and those things. We're joining with the National Day of Prayer movement. Praise God. Well, today we want to continue. We, last week, we talked about the promises of God. And we talked about that if what's going to enable us to make it is that we hold on to God's promises. But there is something that you have to be able to do with the promises. The promises by themselves are no good if we don't believe in them. 
The promises by themselves are no good unless we appropriate them. The promises are no good unless we really are convinced and have faith in those promises. And so this morning, we want to talk about how do we really make them come alive in our lives. And we want to talk about a topic that really is so relevant and so important because I remember at the beginning of COVID, and as we were going through the process, and I realized what they were saying about the extension of how long this could be, I began to ask the Lord, what's going to take us through? And one thing came to my mind. He says, faith is what's going to take you through. So this morning, we're going to look at that aspect of faith again. Because it is so relevant to us as believers and so necessary. So let's look to the Lord in prayer and ask him to speak to all of us today concerning this matter of faith. Our Father and our God, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them. And literal medicine unto all flesh. May you speak to us today. Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. We want you to speak to us. We want you to let your word come alive. And so we look to you this morning. We are dependent on you. We are relying on you. We are trusting in you. And we ask you to help us. And to make your word real. And practical. And active. In our lives. And we give you the praise. And the glory and the honor. For we ask it in Jesus name. And all God's people say. Amen. There was a story once uh, about a tightrope walker who strung a cable across two very tall buildings. And he would walk across on that tightrope. And the people would applaud and they would just be amazed that somebody could actually do that safely. And so one of these times, they he got bold enough that he decided that he would take a wheelbarrow across, which he did. And then he decided that he was going to get even bolder. And as the crowd shouted and, you know, when he did things like that, they are egging him on to do more. And he said, he looked down and saw a man shouting and excited. He says, would you like to come and be in the wheelbarrow as I put it across? And the guy said, oh, no, 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 no. You know, it's, it's okay. They have every confidence in the, in the man's ability, and they're full of faith as long as it doesn't involve me. <laughs> Isn't that life? And that's how it is sometimes. But I want you to know that the Bible teaches that faith is the key to everything for the Christian. That's so important to understand. Faith is the key to everything for the Christian. It is by faith that we come to Christ, and it's by faith that we live the Christian life. You can't live the Christian life with joy and peace and victory without faith. You'll never make it. You will find that if you find that your walk with God is dull 
or boring or somehow you are dissatisfied, you are not walking by faith. It tells us right away you are living by sight. And as long as you walk by sight, my friend, you will walk in fear. You will walk in anxiety. You will walk in actual defeat. Is faith something we do? No. On the contrary, true biblical faith is never a work we perform. Because we, uh, it, we don't perform because we think we are worthy of doing something. True biblical faith means rejecting all of our efforts and our works and trusting completely in Christ for everything. There's an easy way to remember it. F as an acronym, F-A-I-T-H. Here's what it says, if you want to remember that. For F is for forsaken, A is for all, I is for I, T is for trust, and H is for him. In other words, forsaking all, I trust him. That's faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. True biblical faith is casting oneself wholly on the Lord Jesus Christ as your only hope. Your only hope for salvation, and remember, salvation is an all-inclusive word that includes health and healing and happiness and all those different things that include it. Faith is trusting in what Jesus did on the cross, and that is all that you need to know. You know, there was a man named John Patton. It's a true story. Who was translating the Bible for a South Seas Island tribe. And you know, they have different languages. And of course, he's trying to understand their language and learn their language. So he can interpret the Bible, translate the Bible for them. But John Patton discovered that the natives had no word for the word faith or trust. They didn't have any word for that. And one day, a native who had been working hard came into the missionary's house, flopped down into a large, comfortable chair. And this is what the native said. It is good to rest my whole weight on this chair. And that became a revelation to Patton. He said, that's it. That's how I'll translate faith for them. Resting one's whole weight on God. Are you resting your whole weight on God this morning? That's what faith is really all about. And so we need to rest our whole faith in God. But you know, some people misunderstand the concept and the importance of faith. A famous Baptist evangelist once told a story of an elderly lady who was very upset by all of her, she had real and also imaginary problems. And so because of that, out of frustration, her family told her, Grandma, we've done all we can do for you. You'll just have to trust God for the rest. And a look of despair came on her face. And she says, oh dear, has it come to that? In other words, for her, 
It shouldn't be coming to the point of just trusting God. But my friend, yes, that's how it should come for all of us. We should be at a place where for everything, we trust God. In everything, we look to God. And that's what it is for us. It is not that we come to Christ by faith and then we live by good works. That's not how it works. We don't come to Christ by faith and then we live by good works. Faith becomes a way of life for us. Can I say that to you again? For the child of God, faith must become a way of life. The Bible says the just shall live, how? By faith. Faith is the principle of life for the believer. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, listen to this, it is impossible to what? Please God. Just imagine that. I can't please God without faith. That's how important faith is. It is impossible to please God without faith. And faith, we are learning, is the core of our Christian life. It is the core of our Christian life. Faith is the key to having a right relationship with God, as we have seen from this passage that we are looking at this morning in Romans chapter 4. Paul was writing to the church at Rome. But he was writing to his Jewish brothers and sisters and also to the Gentiles. But one of the things that Paul saw was there was a central error that the Jewish people were making. They emphasized the Mosaic law at the expense of what God had done with his agreement with Abraham years ago. In fact, the Jewish thought that Abraham was justified by his works. And Paul wanted to show them justification is never by works, it is by faith. Now what is justification? Justification is a legal term describing our perfect standing before God in the righteousness of Christ. Our perfect standing before God in the righteousness of Christ. You've heard me said many times before, and I need to keep saying these things because I find that over and over, at another time, uh, some people hear it and then they say, I never heard that before. <laughs> so, it's one of the most interesting things, you know. Uh, you really find out what people listen to when you preach when you have like an instant class. Because then it's when, you know, you say, you've been saying this for years, and then they read it in the book, in the Instagram book, and then all of a sudden they say, we never heard this before. Oh, I've been saying this for so many times. So I'm going to start drilling things a little bit more. But here's the key, though. You're not going to remember if you don't write it down. You think you will remember. You're not that good. None of us is that good. Nobody's that good. So it's not just you. Unless you write it down. I got to tell you, a man, I can always go to, to Reverend Edwards. She has everything from my message written down. She can tell me what I said when a certain thing. And if I say certain things, I just, she can, she's a historian with my messages. <laughs> she does. She has the dates and the stuff. So if you ever want to check something I say, talk to her. So one of the things is this, is that we got to understand 
justification what it is. It is a legal term describing our perfect standing before God in righteousness. Remember this. You cannot get right with God unless you are also perfect as God. And I like to make that statement because people are aghast when they hear that. As perfect as God? Yes. It's the only way you can be right with God. You cannot have a right relationship with God unless you are as perfect as God. And you and I know one thing. Right away, you and I know one thing. How imperfect we are. Isn't that true? The moment I said that, you immediately knew, as I do, how imperfect we really are. So how in the world are we going to become as perfect as God? We can only become as perfect as God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, when we acknowledge what he did on the cross and recognize that our sins are placed on him, there is an exchange that takes place. God put our sins on him, and then he puts God Christ's righteousness on us. It is Christ's righteousness that makes us perfect in the eyes of God. Not our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. So that exchange that takes place, that is why you cannot have a right relationship with God except through Jesus Christ. No matter what you try. And that was the problem Paul was having with the Romans. So, let's go through. We're going to sort of do this in a way, verse by verse to some degree this morning. So go back to Romans chapter 4 with me. And let's pick up at verse 13 where we started. It says, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendant was based on his obedience was not on his obedience to God's law, but in a right relationship with God that comes by faith. Okay, so what does it mean by when you read this and it says that God's promised to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants? What does that phrase mean to give the, the whole earth to Abraham? Does it mean the possessions, the things, the good things, all that we see around us? That's not what it's really talking about. What it's talking about, if you remember, back in Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abram, he was a Gentile. Abram was a Gentile before he became a Jew. There's a lot of teaching you're going to get this morning. He was a Gentile before he became a Jew. <laughs> Let me say that again, because a lot of people have no concern. He was a Gentile before he became a Jew, and I'm going to tell you why he became a Jew. How he became a Jew, we'll talk about that too. But he was a Gentile like anybody else. But God called him and God said to him, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you into a great nation. And then God says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And here is the key that God said to him. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That was what God meant when he said, when the, that's what Paul is talking about when he says, God's promise to give to Abraham the whole earth. When our words, remember, in you all the families of the earth. That's the whole earth. All the families of the earth will be blessed. What was he talking about? He was really talking about salvation. He was really talking about that 
all the families of the earth will be blessed through his descendant, which is going to come, Christ. Because you know, Abraham descended from Shem, from Noah, like you and I descended from Noah. Did you know we're all from one family? All of us. You came from Noah. I came from Noah. Everybody came from, all of these people came out of Noah. Everybody you see in the earth, no matter what color they are, no matter what status they are, we all are children of Noah, descendants of Noah. We came out that way. But Abraham was from the Noah's, well, remember Noah had three sons, specifically the son Shem. That's where Abraham came from, out of Shem, that line. And so what we know is that God said to him, in you all the families, because out of Shem, from coming down Abraham, all the way down we come to the, the descendants, all the way down till we get to Christ. And so he was saying that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. He was giving him the whole earth, not the possessions, but the people. Because guess what? What matters to God is what? People. You know, hey, things are things. Things are things to be used. But things are not as important as people. I hope you don't think things are more important than people. People is really what God loves. People is who God's concerned about. People is who matters to God. In other words, you matters to God. That's what that says. It matters that you matters to God more than that chair you're sitting in. Are you thankful for that? That you matters to God more than anything else that you own, that you have. You matters to God more than your car. You matters to God more than your house. You matter to God. And so this is what he said. So that's what the promise was. And he says the, the promise that God made to Abraham was not because of the law, because Abraham was keeping the law. How do we know that? Well, Brett, the reason for that was, is because it couldn't have been the promise based on the law, because the law came 430 years after Abraham. So if the law came after Abraham, because remember where the, when the law came? The law came with whom? Moses. And Moses came long after Abraham. So in other words, Abraham, the promise that God made to Abraham, was not based on the law, but was based on faith. What does that mean? It means that Abraham, the Bible says, let's continue what the Bible says. It says, if the promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. If it was only based on those who obey the law, then you wouldn't need faith. For the, what the law always does is to bring punishment to those who try to obey. In other words, you know the law. The law was so stringent that if you break one, you break what? All. So who could keep the law? No one. No one could keep the law. Every time you think you're keeping the law, and you turn and you just finish obeying one law. By the time you turn, you break another law. And so guess what? It was pointless. So what Paul says, the only way to avoid breaking the law is not to have what? A law. 
You, you, see, you see the logic in this? That's why they use Romans in, in law school to teach their students logic. Did you know that the book of Romans is used in law school to teach logic? Because the most logical person, Paul was a brilliant lawyer, by the way. You need to know that. He's brighter than most of these other people today. And, uh, and he was brilliant. And his reasoning and his logic is in Romans. And they use this book because it is really so logical in his thinking and the way he lays out his things. And so what we find here is that Paul says, no, it can't be the law. The law, because it, first of all, he says, the reason why it can't be by works, can't be by obeying the law, because obeying the law is, uh, is doing works. You know, the law says do this, and 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 the law says do this. And Paul is saying, no, 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 Abraham did not get a right relationship with God by law because the law came after him, number one. And number two, he says, hey, all the law does is to create problems in the sense that the law is difficult for anyone to obey and it really shows up our weaknesses. So then, Paul goes on in verse 16. So the promise, he says, is actually received how? By faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. So Paul is saying, the promise that God made to Abraham is received by faith. The faith of Abraham. What does that mean? Abraham, the Bible says, when God told him, and he, one day God says to him, step outside and look up in the sky. And he saw all the stars, and God says, your descendants shall be as many as the stars in the sky. And the Bible says, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, because he believed God, God credited him for righteousness. So here's the thing. You got a pagan man. You got a Gentile man named Abram before he was named Abraham. A Gentile man named Abram who God called out and made a promise to him and his descendants. And this man believed what God said. Remember, this was the man who God said, pack up everything you have and your family, and go, and I will tell you when you reach the place that you need to step. I will tell you, just pack up and go, and when you get there, when you get to the place that I think you should be, I'll tell you this is the place. And Abraham acted exactly as God said. He didn't question God. Isn't that interesting? You see, what we're beginning to see why Abraham, well, his name was changed from Abraham to Abraham, because when he, the Bible says, God says, I will make you the father of many nations. And so the name changed from Abraham to Abraham to represent that he would be the father of many nations. And the father of many nations is not just the 12 tribes of Israel but also includes us, as you will see. Because we are also part of Abraham's family. I want to show you how. 
So the Bible says this. But Abraham, look at verse uh, 16 with me. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Abraham is the father of all who believe. He's the father of all of us. If you believe, only if you believe. He's not the father of the unbeliever. He is the father of all who believe, Jew or Gentile. He is the father of all who believe. And so it is that Abraham then, that's why the Bible says, that is what the scripture means when, when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. What is it? I've made you the father of many nations. Not just the 12 tribes, not just the 12 sons of J Jacob. No, it is everyone that believes. That's the father of many nations. Nations. Whatever nation that believe in Jesus Christ, whatever country, whatever nationality, Abraham is the father of all those people. He's the father of all who believe. Now, it continues. In verse 17, it says, This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Oh, hallelujah this morning. Abraham believed in a God who brings back things to life, dead things to life, and creates new things out of nothing. Did you realize that Abraham did not have what you and I have when he believed God? Did you know that Abraham didn't have a Bible? Hello? Abraham didn't have anybody to look back to to say what they did. He didn't have any history to look back and say, those people believed God in the past and God did this for them. Abraham had nothing to look back to. The only thing Abraham had was God's word. The only thing Abraham had was God's word. And remember, he didn't even know him before. He didn't even know this God before. But this God appeared to him. This God made him a promise. And guess what? Abraham trusted that God. He believed that God. And because of his faith, look at what has happened. He has become the father of many nations. He trusted God. He believed God. And he believed in this God so powerfully, he believed that this God was able to raise the dead and to call things that were not as if they were. Do you believe in that God this morning? Hallelujah. Yes. Abraham believed in that God. And that was demonstrated because you remember, remember when God gave, when after Isaac was born, it took 25 years for Isaac to be born. From the time God promised him to the time that Isaac was born was 25 years later. And when Isaac was a, teen, was a young teenager, probably in his teens, early teens, God said to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. Your, and he called him your only son, although there was Ishmael. But whatever is not in God's will that you notice is not significant. <laughs> he referred to Isaac after Ishmael was born first, remember? He referred to Isaac as your only son. Why? 
Because that's the only one in the will of God. And if something is out of the will of God, it's not under God's consideration. You see why you don't want to be out of the will of God? To be under his consideration, you got to come under God. Now, you can make a mistake and go out, but you can come back and repent. You can re People who have gone out, who have drifted, who have gone away, left the will of God, gone on their own. When you come under from under the shelter of God, you're on your own. But if you recognize the error of your ways and come back under the shelter of God, he will bring you, he will accept you. Because he's merciful. He's gracious. He's a God of a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a sixth chance. What a God! And so it is that he says to Abraham, take Isaac, your only son, and sacrifice him on this mountain. And the Bible tells us that Abraham and Isaac is going to the mountain. And Isaac realized that he had the, the wood for the fire. And he saw the knife at his father's side. And he says, Father, we have the fire. We have the wood for the fire. But where is the lamb? And Abraham said to him, God will provide himself a lamb. And imagine, Abraham bound his son, put him on the altar, picked up the knife. Now why was he willing to kill him? Because of what we just read. He's able to raise the dead back to life. And so Abraham knew that the promise was through Isaac. Abraham knew that Isaac, no matter what, had to be the son through whom his descendants were going to be because that was what God said. And so if he even kill him, God is still able to raise him back to life. Whatever is in the will of God, even if it looks like it is dying, it cannot die. It, if it, and if he even goes dead, it will be resurrected again. That's the beauty of when something is in the will of God. That's why you and I need to walk in the will of God, my friend. That's why when we let the Lord order our steps, order our steps. Miss Lloyd, when the Lord order our steps, you can't go wrong. I've got to tell you, it's so important. So important. I'm thinking of a situation that I heard about recently. A young man that got married. And after X number of years of marriage, his wife walked out on him. He's devastated. A young man who is in the ministry. The question comes, as I was talking, I said, you got to go back to the beginning. It goes back to the beginning. Did you know if she was to be the one? See, a lot of people get into relationships and into situations that really they didn't really seek God's will about. It was what they like and what seemed reasonable to them and what seems best to them. 
but Miss Kura. It is asking God, do you want this relationship to progress? Doesn't mean you don't have an attraction to someone. That's how it starts. You, you feel a sense of attraction to someone. And you can ask God. You can say before you, before you can say, God, don't let me have any attraction to somebody that's not part of your will. You can pray that. In fact, I had a pastor back some years ago, a, a, a pastor that I was, that I knew. And, and he had, he wanted to focus so much on God that he told God to take away any desires for a, a woman for him, any desires because he wanted to focus on God. And, and he realized he's lost his desires for his wife also, so he had to pray to God again and ask him, bring me back. You know, he's able, <laughs> he told us that story. So you, 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 you understand that God is able to do this. It's not that God cannot. He can guide your desires. That your even attraction, at the beginning you could say, God, don't let me be attracted to someone that is not of your will. And if that's coming from your heart, can I tell you? He will guide you that way. Because God wants you to be in his will. God wants every one of us to walk in the will of God. And so praying that prayer even before you start being attracted is important. Because I got to tell you, the pain of divorce and separation is greater than the pain you can feel of a breakup where before you get married that is not of God. In other words, I always believe a broken engagement is better than a broken marriage. I don't know who that's for this morning. I wasn't planning on saying all of that. But here's the thing. So what we need to understand is this. So let's continue. Because we're looking at this verse by verse, it says. So God creates, he can bring to life what is dead. And he can create new things out of nothing. God can call into being that which is not as though it were. He can create new things out of nothing. Do you have an impossible situation this morning? God can create new things out of that. Can you give him praise for that this morning? If you really have faith and believe, the Bible is saying that you got to believe. Abraham believed that God could do this. And Abraham didn't have any Bible. And Abraham didn't have any historical record. But he believed God. My friend, when you believe God like that, it's, it, it, is a, it brings glory to God. When you have absolute faith and confidence in God, it brings glory to God. It brings joy to the Lord. When he sees someone is relying on him, believing his word, accepting his word, it brings glory to God. And so the Bible says, verse 19, it says to us, well, verse 18, even when there was no reason, verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become 
the father of many nations. For God had said. For God had said. That's why he kept hoping. For God had said. Even when there was no reason to hope, he kept hoping and believing. Why? For God had said. What has God said in his word to you this morning? What is the promise of God in his word that God has given you that you can hold on to? That even when you don't see your circumstances, there is no reason to hope. But this morning you can keep hoping and believing because of the promise of God. That's why you need a promise for your situation right this morning. You need a promise from word words to hold on to for your particular situation. And you need to remind yourself, for God had said. And even when things are going contrary, even when things are going a different direction, even when things do not look like it's going to go the way it should go, you say, God had said. And that's what you're holding on to. And that's what Abraham did. He never wavered. The Bible continued. The Bible says, and Abraham's faith did not weaken in verse 19 even though he looked at his own body and he saw that he was about 100 years old and he saw that Sarah was 89 years old and he says, I know the reality. Now listen to this. Abraham did not deny the fact. He didn't pretend as if he wasn't what he was. He says, I know when I look at my body, I am almost 100 and I look at Sarah, she's 89. Her womb is dead. I am basically dead. But God said, and because God said, despite what I see, I'm going to believe because of what God said. My circumstances are changing and things are getting difficult and things are getting harder and things are getting worse. But God said, I will never leave and I'll forsake you. But God said, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. But God said, and I'm holding on to what God said. That's what Abraham did. And he never had a Bible. And he never had a historical record. There was no track record of anybody. He was the first. But he believed God. How much more should we believe God? When we go to Hebrews chapter 11, we have the hall of faith. We have a long list of people who believed God and saw the miracles of God and the power of God because they had faith. And you can go to Hebrews 11 and say, by faith, by faith, this person did this. By faith, they subdued kingdoms. By faith, they overcome. By faith, Daniel was in the lands then and there. By faith, by faith, by faith. We have that record. Abraham had no record. He was the first. But he believed God. Oh, hallelujah. And his faith did not weaken. In fact, it goes on in verse 20. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. He never wavered. Look into this. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And this brought glory to God. His faith grew stronger. You know what happened? God told Abraham that he was going to bring him a, give him a descendant when he was 75 years old. And time passed, and time passed, and time passed. And he was 90 now. And so here he's gone time. And he was 91, and 92, and 93, and 94, and 95, 
and you would think that he was thinking, oh no, it's not going to happen. The Bible says no. As it got more impossible, his faith grew stronger. The greater the crisis, for Paul, you need to understand, is as far as the, as the crisis grows greater, your faith needs to rise higher. That's what Abraham did. He caused his faith to rise up to match the level of the crisis. And so it says, as it got more intense, as it became more clear that it was not possible, his faith did not get weaker. His faith got stronger. My friend, as COVID gets longer, as COVID gets more, as the spike increased, can I tell you, your faith must not waver. Your faith must not get weaker. Your faith must get stronger. We must believe God even more and trust God even more and expect from God even more. That's what happened to Abraham. That's what the Bible says he did. And because of Abraham's faith, and so it says, because, guess what? He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Hallelujah. Abraham was fully convinced. Nobody's going to change his mind. No circumstance is going to change his mind. It doesn't matter what was happening. His body was getting weaker. His Sarah's body was getting weaker. But that didn't change the fact. God had said. And that's all he's living by. Is what God said. Do you need a breakthrough in something this morning? Do you need a deliverance out of something this morning? Then you got to find the word of what God says about your situation. And hold on to that word. And it doesn't matter if it gets more serious. It doesn't matter if it gets more difficult. It doesn't matter if it gets more crisis intensified. You got to understand this is what God said. And I'm believing what God said. And holding on to what God said. Because he was fully convinced. You have to become fully convinced. Hallelujah. Fully convinced that God is able to do what he says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Those in virtual land, give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. He is. Glory to God. And Paul goes on, he says, and when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Did you hear that? He didn't have it recorded just for Abraham's benefit. God had it recorded so that you and I can know what he did for Abraham, he can do for me. You know, there's a theme that says, what he has done for others, he will do for me. Oh, hallelujah this morning. My friend, I want you to know, 
that you need to put your faith in God. You need to put your trust in God. You need to have confidence in God. That's why you need the promises of God. You need the word of God to hold on to what God has said. And do you know what David did? David in the Psalm 119 says, Remember, O Lord, thy word upon which thou was caused thy servant to hope. David reminded God, Remember, I'm holding on to this word. I'm holding on to this word. Nothing is wrong to do what the Bible says. If David can remind God, you can remind God too. You can say, God, remember. Remember, this is the word I'm holding on to. Remember, this is the promise, God. Remember thy word upon which thou was caused thy servant to hope. My hope is built on this word, God. This promise is what I'm holding on to. I'm asking you to remember it and to come through. And of course, when Abraham was a hundred years old and Sarah was 90, Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Impossible! Not just back then. It would be impossible now. It was an impossible then too. It was an impossibility then too. Because the Bible tells us the deadness of Sarah's womb and his own body physically dead. But then God gave him new life. God is renewed, he's able to renew your strength like the eagle. My friend, you want to walk with God. Young people, you want really a future? You really want someone who can guide you and all your steps and make your life profitable, fruitful, significant, that you can make a contribution? You need God. And you need to put your trust in God. Anything else you put your trust in will fail you. That's why the songwriter says, On Christ a solid rock I stand. All of the ground, all of the ground is sinking sand. Every other ground, I don't care how it looks. I don't care if it look like rock. If it's not God's rock, it may look like rock. It may seem like rock. It may even when you touch it feel like rock. But I can tell you, it's still not rock. All other ground is sinking sand. That's why you need God in your life. And for those of you who don't know him, you need Christ in your life. And remember, you come to him by faith. It's, it's faith. The Bible says it's a gift of God that he gives you salvation. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. I can't do anything to please God enough to give me salvation. I can't be good enough of myself. No one can be good enough of themselves. It is simple trust in God again. 
It is simple believing that Jesus really died on the cross for my sins and that God really placed my sins on him. And then when I believe that, there's a transfer that takes place. I receive the righteousness of Christ and he gets my sins and I get his righteousness and that's how I become perfect in the eyes of God because now I am clothed what is called the atonement, covered over. I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's how we become perfect. That's how we become perfect like God. It is not we of ourselves. It is a gift of God to us. Not because we deserve it or we could earn it, that's why it is called grace, unmerited, undeserved favor. He simply just gives it to us. What a God. What a God. You can experience that grace this morning. You can receive freely from him this morning. Not because you are earning it. Not because you think you're deserving and you may think you are, no. You may say to yourself, no, I, I don't think I am. Well, you are a good candidate to receive the grace of God because you already feel and recognize you're inadequate of yourself and you need God in your life. He is the answer, my friend. He is the answer. He is the answer. He is the answer. What is your situation this morning? What is it that you need change? What is it that you need turned around? What is it that in your life you realize this is not how I really would like it to be? You need a God who is able to bring dead things alive and to call and to make something new out of nothing. Oh, hallelujah. Make something new out of nothing. If you need one of those this morning, will you stand together with me? If you need God to bring back something that is dead to life, or you need God to bring something new out of nothing, if you need God to do something supernatural for you today, I want you to stand as a testimony and say, God, I need something supernatural. You may want to raise your hand and say, God, remember me right this morning. Remember me right now. Maybe you're a if you're at home and wherever you are watching and you need, you said, God, raise your hand and said, God, remember me right now. I need something. I need you to bring this thing that is dead, bring it back to life. Lord, I want you to bring this new thing out of, there's nothing there, but I need you to bring something new out of this situation, this circumstance. I need you to come through for me, God. He's able to do that, the Bible says. Abraham believed God that he was able to do that. And Abraham didn't have what you and I have. Abraham didn't have any history. Abraham had no Bible. Abraham had no, no track record. But he believed nevertheless. He trusted God and it brought glory to God. Do you want to bring glory to God this morning? Then put your trust in him. Put your full weight upon God. Put your full weight upon God. Say, God, I'm resting on you fully as my helper, my helper, my deliverer, my provider, my protector, 
my sustainer, my keeper. Our Father and our God, for those hands that are raised this morning, we pray, Lord, especially for the one who doesn't know you. And for that backslider, God, that they would make a decision and recognize that out of your will is not where they want to be. They want to be in the will of God. Because in your will, they're under your consideration. They're under your direction. They're under your protection. If they go outside the house, the children of Israel had to put the blood on the doorpost. And they had to stay inside the house. Even when the blood is applied to the doorpost, if they came out of the house, they'd be on their own. But as long as they stayed in the house, when the angel of death saw the blood, he would pass over. Lord, we want to stay under the blood. So I pray this morning for that one that is drifting that would come back under the protection of the blood of Jesus. For that one that doesn't have that protection this morning. That they would acknowledge and say, yes, Lord, I need you in my life. I need to come under your care, under your everlasting wings. I want you as my Savior. Being in the will of God, guided by the power of God, the omniscient God, the all-powerful God, the omnipotent God. Who better to order our steps and direct our path. We thank you this morning, God, that what it takes is for us to believe, to trust you, to believe what your word says. And to hold on, never wavering, never doubting, never giving up until we see the victory. Oh, Father, we ask you to bless your people today. We ask you to continue to guide and to direct, to continue to order your steps. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace as together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. There are buckets at the end of the row if you want to drop your offering there or you continue to put online. I want to thank God for all of you that continue to do that. If you want to do online, some have been mailing it. Some have been dropping it off. Whatever you feel convenient to do for you to do. There's a bucket and an alternate row. You can just drop it in there as you leave. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Praise the name of the Lord. Good to see some of you for the first time. Bless the Lord.